The guy come in last place. Smell that dope when I pass by. I let my money at a fast pace. All right, welcome to Say Hello to the Bad Guy. I'm your host, Locke, and this is the podcast where we drink, smoke, and bullshit about the life of a historic criminal. Now we're talking outlaws and gangsters. We're not going to cover too many serial killers. That's just a little bit dark for me, and this ain't no true crime podcast. Honestly, you can't call this a history podcast because I'm no historian. I'm just a history fan that does some research and bullshits about it with his friends. So speaking of my friends, let me introduce you to my co-host. So our first guest today, we got Lorraine McLean. What up? We got the the Jack McGurn of our podcast, the man of many names. We got Dan the Man, Dan Levitan, the Duke. <laughs> yeah. What's up, Dan the Man, a.k.a. the Duke, a.k.a. the Hoodbilly Deluxe, a.k.a. Dan the Man Levitan, a.k.a. the Little Viking, a.k.a. I got that A.K. thing, a.k.a. I, I don't have an A.K., y'all. I, I'm, I'm Dan. I, <laughs> I'm just, okay, it's me. hey, it's me. You know, Dan. Ba da 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 da. It's me. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm well, I'm Stanley Goodspeed. Apparently, I sound like I'm Shaggy. <laughs> Even though I've never said gazoinks in my life. Gonna start more now, though. I mean, I used to ride around in Crown Vic with a pit bull. Oh hi. I mean, that's the hood version of yeah. of Shaggy, that's, I guess. That's pretty Shaggy of you. <laughs> I mean, I didn't see no ghosts, but whatever. So we're going to try this again today. We're going about 500 on the trying out new drinks, so we'll see how this goes. So we all got us a glass of Conor McGregor's Proper 12 Irish Whiskey. Nope. Oh, no. Not, <laughs> May you say? I don't like Nope. Well, your loss is Locke's gang. <laughs> I just doubled his drink. Well, you went into this knowing... Yeah, I just don't like, like brown liquor, like regular whiskey, but like the sweet ones, like the crown apple, peach, the and specially, the peanut butter ones. The specially flavored ones, those are your shit. The ones that hide the whiskey flavor. <laughs> right. I, yeah, I can do them. You like coffee as long as it's got shit ton of cream and like chocolate and whipped cream and shit. It's right. not even coffee. Just need, well, and this is very yeah. whiskey tasting, so it doesn't hide that whiskey taste at all. Yeah, it's, but you know, I'm so used to bourbon at this point. Like Scott, the last time when we did Scott, that sort of woke me up like that's the first non-bourbon i've had in a while yeah bourbon's definitely got that sweetness that helps it go down a little bit more i'm a whiskey drinker but like you i, I prefer bourbon you know or i drink like crown royal so i like my whiskey apparently either southern or canadian you know irish whiskey has a pretty specific taste i mean i you know i like whiskey but at the same time yeah i like whiskey of all kinds it's not bad First sip is always rough for me. As soon as I get a few of these in, I'll be I'll be right as rain. <laughs> I would bad. describe it as. Yeah, but you're going from a base level of whiskey is. Well. Well, what do you got in the other drink? That's oh, brown. This is brown, but it's screwball. It's peanut butter whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's so. delicious. Yeah. All right. I don't like whiskey. I'm going to go back to drinking my whiskey now. <laughs> but that's, like we said, that's the heavily flavored ones. Maybe after the break, I got another Irish whiskey. We maybe taste like a little nip of that and then compare. And that way we're at least comparing apples to apples. You know what I'm saying? So before before we get started, I got to drop a podcast recommendation. So it's a new friend of ours. He's a big supporter of the show. His name's David Breakspear. He's a writer and researcher for NationalCrimeSyndicate.com. Wow. He's our friend? 
What up? He, lo- he loves the show. He knows his shit, too, man. He real- I mean, he's a researcher for National Crime Syndicate.com. Right. I not? guess that goes, <laughs> kind of goes without saying. So you say he knows a little <laughs> something about crime syndicate. He's also a public speaker. He's got a blog at uh, journeyofareformman.net. He spent most of his life in prison. Now he's out. He's kind of trying to do a bunch of work to kind of get people to learn from his mistakes and steer themselves into a better path. Wow. He's got a, he's got a new podcast out now called What Can Be. And his first episode's now out. It's got a long-form interview with a guy named Chris Lambriano. He was sentenced to prison in 1969 with the Cray Brothers. Word. Whoa. Yeah, the Cray Bros were the famous twins. There's been a few movies. Good old Tom Hardy played them in Legend. That's how oh, I always remember. Can we do a podcast on them? Well, we probably could. They've they've now fallen. At one point, we would have. They've now kind of fallen into the uh, big name guys kind of thing. They're they're pretty popular. We would be more likely to cover Chris Lampriano than we would be to cover the Cray Twins. But um, Tom Hardy played both of them, which is, I mean, I don't know. It's definitely kind of story we could cover. Oh, I remember seeing bits of that. Yeah, it's good. Hard. Well, I mean, Tom Hardy does tends to do pretty good fucking work, so it's not a, it's not a shock. He knows how to act, that kid. <laughs> he knows a thing or two about being on camera. He's got a future in this. Yep. <laughs> he might have to wear shades. So David Breakspear and Chris Lampriano is a long form interview, but they talk about uh, they talk about prison reform, mental health, uh, self improvement. They talk a little bit about that Charles Bronson. Yep, another person Tom Hardy played. <laughs> yeah. What? Yeah. He just plays everyone. If it's an English gangster... Can he play this Chris guy next? So we know more about him? I'm sure he could. He actually is... Let's sign him up. When we go to casting in these podcasts, he is a regular go-to guy to be like, I don't know, Tom Hardy. (laughs) Well, anybody that's a gangster that's not tall. (laughs) Tom Hardy. He's a little bit taller. Christian Bale. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's that's, that's who we pick. He's a little leaner. So go check out his podcast, What Can Be. Like I said, he's a huge supporter of the show. It's a good podcast. Uh, he's a good guy. Check out all his stuff. Check out his blog. Uh, follow his Instagram. So he agrees with these facts you're spitting at us? Uh, he hasn't complained yet. Because so. we don't know any better. <laughs> yeah. Just like, oh, dang. <laughs> well, I go fact check my shit at nationalcrimesyndicate.com. Ah, <laughs> yeah. Hey. <laughs> all right. Well, we'll go ahead and get started. And the bad guy we're covering today, the bad guys we're covering today, are Ada and Mina Everlay. This ain't negotiation time. This is Scarface, final scene, fucking bazookas under each arm. Say hello to my little friend. There's two? Couple bad gals. Is it girls? Indeed. Trying to keep the format at the show, I almost tried to sneak this in as an Ada Everly episode. But it would have been disingenuous halfway in. We tried that with the Siamese twins. Like, no, this is just the Ada and Minna Everly, Everlay story. So, but fuck it. We can do that. No, first tell the Ada story, then <laughs> tell the Minna story. We got all night. Well, yeah, because one, one's way different. One starts two years earlier. It's a completely different story. So Ada and Minna Everlay were both born in Greene County, Virginia. Ada in February 15th, 1864, and Minna in July 13th, 1866, both with the surname of Sims. Damn, so right in Virginia during Civil War times. Correct. Hmm. So they they were the second and third of four daughters and also had three brothers. Yeah, those are back in the day when you just have as many kids as you can. Just (laughs) see which ones last. (laughs) They came from a wealthy family, but following the Civil War, their family lost most of their money and eventually ends up losing their property. Okay, so yeah, wealthy in Virginia, Civil War comes through, they go broke. I'm going to say they 
Don't, uh-huh. Virginia was heavy slavery town. Like, after the Civil War, they went broke because they lost their slaves and shit. That's that would be my guess if they were wealthy before the Civil War and not afterwards. Yeah. It was and probably because they're Virginia had that whole thing. Like the whole reason why there's West Virginia is because Virginia wanted slaves so much. West Virginia was like, well, we don't, so we're splitting up. So if you're in Virginia, you were definitely for slavery so much that you divided your state over it. Well, and actually, I I wrote they eventually lost their property. They actually lost their plantation. Yeah, I'm assuming they're probably slave owners. I don't know that for sure, but yeah, they're from Virginia. Is, yeah, this is a whole lot of assumptions, but one and two sometimes equals five, you know what I mean? By the time they're eight and ten years old, their mom and both the other sisters have passed away. Damn. what? This is vagina survivor. They're winning. <laughs> Wait, so they don't have an AKA? We can't guess what their criminal activity would be. They're, they're AKA, I don't know, AKA Ada and Minna Sims? We're gonna come up by the end of this. That's our goal. We're gonna come up with some AKAs for them. Uh, We got a mission, Lorraine. Because the the Everlays would technically be their AKA. Oh, that's not. That's just their name. No, they're Sims. Yeah, they're they're Ada and Minna Sims. Well, their first. Well, that's what they were born, anyways. Their first AKA is Vagina Survivors. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds like they they survived one of the weirdest attacks ever. It was like a Watchmen. <laughs> Birth is hard, even for the baby. For people that know the Watchmen reference, that was good. Uh, so that's a great joke for like four of you. So Minna eventually marries a man by the last name of Lester, and soon after that, Ada marries her brother or his brother. What? Okay. Marries his brother. His brother. So now, two sisters are married to two brothers. Right. So they're both Lester the Molesters? Yeah, they're both Lesters. Don't get too we, caught. We're not sure whether or not they're, they're Molesters, to be fair. We don't need to get too caught up on it because no. Minna's husband eventually becomes abusive. Both sisters divorce their husbands, and they run away and join a traveling theater troupe. I love <laughs> So wait, which one got married first? Mina. Minna. Minna, the little sister. And that's the one whose husband was abusive? And yes. The other one was like... So the older sister is just following like... Oh, you're going to marry that dude? Let me marry your brother. Oh, you're divorcing? Well, I guess I'm going to leave too. <laughs> like, she's just doing whatever. And see, I don't know if it's ageist Theater. or what, but if it was the younger sister following around the older one, it's still weird to be following her, but it makes more sense. For the older one to be following around the younger one seems weirder to me, and I don't know why that is exactly. It just is. The father passes away, and they do end up getting an inheritance of $35,000. Now, Ooh, rolling in the dough. Yeah, back then, what's uh, what's that in eighteen? What, what? Where we I believe now? the conversions to around a, just over a million dollars. Damn. So yeah, they did make some money. Oh. Yeah. When the traveling theater troupe abandoned them in Omaha in eighteen ninety five. What did they do? <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> I don't know. That seems so. Bizarre. Maybe those uh, Lester brothers weren't the issue. Is these bitches? <laughs> you got left by the. They say traveling theater troupe. I picture a carnival. Yeah. Like, man, that minute, like, she's cool, but that Ada's just so weird, just always lurking around. Like, I'm like, hey, man, what's up? And we're having a conversation. Ada's just standing there behind her, waiting to see what she's going to do next. It's weird. And it's got to be tricky to move your whole traveling troop, like, overnight without yeah. them catching it. Like, they really had to make an effort. If you into... snuck away from these yeah. ladies, what, what did they do? If they just got a million dollars... Did they get abandoned or did they get drunk and were like, we're fucking leaving you assholes? 
while they were abandoned, they decided to take that investment and use it to build a brothel. <laughs> All oh, right. Yeah, now we know. See, they are vagina survivors. <laughs> now they're going to be vagina thrivers. Thrivers. The both of them changed their last names to Everlay after their grandmother's signature way of ending letters where she'd always put Everly yours. Okay. Wow. Cute. So you think it's Mo- pronounced... Moved to Omaha, opened a brothel, and changed their name to the Everlays. Yep. You think it's pronounced Everly? It's not. Oh. We're going to start slanging hookers, and we're going to change our name in honor of Nana. <laughs> So the brothel becomes super successful. And then in Omaha at the time, the Trans-Mississippi International Exposition was set to be held in Omaha. The Trans-Mississippi International Exposition was a World's Fair held in Omaha, Nebraska from June 1st to November 1st of 1898. So the goal was to showcase the development of the entire West from the Mississippi River to the Pacific Coast. Wow. There's going to be 2.6 million people in Omaha to see over 4,062 exhibits during five months of the expo. And they're going to be down there hooking. (laughs) Someone's going to have to spend some time with these guys. Hey, that sounds like Vegas. You think they're the only brothel around or in the area? Well, there was other brothels in Omaha, so what they did was they already had a super successful brothel, so they decided to open a second Mm. one closer to where the exposition grounds were going to be. It was kind of a risky opportunity at the time, but they thought, hey, we think this is going to be a big thing. We're going to put the second brothel down there. A Picture... little satellite brothel out there closer <laughs> closer to the, the pop-up shop. Yeah. You see this thing they're doing. So, like, it was it was basically like to show off, like, hey, look, we tamed the West. The West is ours now. Let's just all move out here. It's cool. But it was also, like, people showing off inventions and shit. Like, you see they were doing this. They're trying to make it like a Venice Canal. They got, like, swan boats and shit. Here, here, we have a swan boat. You can pedal and it moves forward and it is right here. We have a crazy light bulb thing. It illuminates. And here we have a woman's vagina. If you walk in that tent, you can fuck her for a dime. For a dime. See how well we've tamed the West? We have got pussy on tap. You know, they they still to this day, they say every wherever the Super Bowl goes into town, the best These... escorts from all over the world and the yeah. strippers and stuff like that, they go to... Whether it's in Miami or whatever, wherever the Super Bowl is going, they all go there and just spend like Super Bowl week there. It's kind of the similar setup. But so if, imagine if the Super Bowl was for five months. The decision pays off. By the end of the expo, they had more than doubled their initial investment. Damn. So the sex sells. <laughs> I guess. They got a shitload of money and they decide that, well, once the expo is over, you know, I mean, the expo is a big thing. Once that's over, they're just in Omaha. So they decide... They want to set up shop in like a, a, a better spot. They sell both the locations and they use the profits. To tra- they traveled from major cities, uh, researching the brothel business models and scouting cities that had high end clientele, but no high end establishments. We're just sort of bullet pointing their uh, stage by stage what they've gone through. But what are, what are these ladies stories like? How do they go from just married off to these dudes getting the right to just like the best madams this side of the mississippi like maybe that's why he would beat her is because she was hooking <laughs> around well she's not even the hooker she's running the brothel but like, now she knows business she's... women like that's what i'm saying like she's got good business sense like she is on well i say she like it's just i'm assuming it's the one and the other <laughs> one's just following her around the other one's the instigator but, yeah the other one's just the enforcer 
Well, I, I guess they really know their shit. It seems. Well, since you asked, I guess this is so we could just move this segment to wherever it's relevant in the podcast. So, like the legend has it, it actually works. It's a legitimate question because this is a tough one. I was trying to figure out how to tell the story because they have two backstories. So the one that I gave you is kind of what is considered the true backstory. We don't want the truth. <laughs> we want the bullshit. If you were to ask the Everly sisters, they say their dad was a rich lawyer from Kentucky and they had a doting mother that put them in like the uh, like elocution lessons their whole life and taught them how to be ladies. Got abandoned in Omaha and just decided, you know, what, we're just going to invest into a brothel and happen to be great businesswomen. Some people say that when they were younger, when their mom and the sisters died, that their dad may have forced them into prostitution as a way to help with the bills. Mm. That all makes more sense. Yeah. Well, because... It makes perfect sense. And especially, I mean, back in the day when they would get married and shit, that in and of itself a lot of times is the parents just whoring out their children for shit. So I'm sure her abusive husband wasn't her choice to do it. I bet you her dad probably forced her into it. Now the other sister, who knows? She just goes where her sister... Well, no, her father could have done that too. Hey, it's an easy sell. He's right there. Like, yeah, we can get a two for one on these. See, and maybe when they got abandoned in Omaha, they were like, well, how can we get by? We just have to sell our bodies. That would make sense. Then they got that money and was like, well, let's open up a whole building to do this. I'm going to throw a little something on top of this uh, Assumption Sunday that we got going on. Uh, the good old traveling circus back in the day, you know, there's the classic sideshow, the fire dance or whatever, but then they would have just, it would essentially be the closest thing that we would call just strip clubs. Like there would be a tent, you just pay the nickel to sit there and there would be like a burlesque oh, show, like a peep show, but not even that, but yeah, it'd be more like just a peep show. Yeah. There'd be some hooking going on. That would make perfect sense why they were in that traveling circus. And that circus was like, not at this circus. Get out. Left them. No, they were probably too good for it. They got money. They're like, you know what? We're opening up our own shop. It was a traveling theater troupe, okay? How dare you? See, it was a peep show. (laughs) Right? We're cracking this case with half the research. This This, this lady spent all this time doing research and finding her relatives. we, We just talked it out. So they travel and meet with madams in New Orleans, San Francisco, Pittsburgh, Washington, D.C., New York, St. Louis, Memphis. How did they get to all those places? They fucking McDonald the shit out of that shit. <laughs> yeah. Well, they they didn't so they set they didn't it. set up spot all there. They just went to brothels and all those places. They were checking them oh, out. Oh, they're doing a world tour. They're saying yeah. how. But how did they did travel it? then? Like horseback? Probably tra- well trains, trains, uh, trains, caravans, shit like that. Oh, they had the money to do it. They had really? a lot of money. Bicycle? Who knows? I doubt it. <laughs> they took the ideas they liked best from different brothels and different madams and worked them into their own business plan. What they decided on is in 1899, the sisters settled in Chicago. They found an older madam. It was a lady named Effie Hankins. She was an older lady running a failing brothel and wanted to retire. They bought her business as well as the adjoining building at 2131 and 2133 South Dearborn Street in Chicago. Nice. So this was the red light district of the first ward known as the Levy area. And it was an area that contained most of the South Side brothels, saloons, and clubs. So what a lot of cities were doing at the time were just kind of saying, hey, people are going to do it. Let's kind of steer it all into a neighborhood. You know, the red light district. Fucking bordello boardwalk. Crime spot. The levee was not dry. (laughs) (laughs) They first rebuilt the entire property and 50 rooms from the ground up. 
they used elaborate, ornate, decorative styles. They had silk curtains, mahogany tables, gold rim china, silver dining ware. But you had to keep it classy. Were they out of money at that point? No, they spent money like like what? Whoa. Like what nothing. So I mean everything they put. That's fancy. Well, yeah, everything had to be the fanciest. So every table had to be mahogany, mahogany staircases. Like they just wanted everything top notch. Everything was silk. Out of the rooms, they had themed rooms. Oh the shit! The mirrored room, the go- like in the gold room, they had a golden piano. They had an Asian throne room. Oh yeah, they did. You want to get a little oriental? We got this room over here. You want a little underwater adventure? We have our mermaid. The bed is shaped like a clam. <laughs> So you guys can see these pictures. This shit's like... You can see the pictures. Stop naming random rooms. Well, you can just see at least every room has got fucking art yeah. and shit. Every room's got art and shit. <laughs> That's fancy talk. It looks real Victorian. Yeah, you know, build an Expensive. That's what you do. They're going Get for a certain class client. people. Huh? Oh, like for sure. They built in a library and an art gallery with was exclusively nude art, but in all gold frames. Poor house with culture, son. Weeding out those old carnies. This is the Love Shack or the Louvre. I don't know where I am. After they, they rebuild the thing from the ground up, and the next thing they do is they fire all the girls currently working there. Oh, what? Damn. No skanks allowed. I don't know. Well, they didn't like... A lot of the girls in Chicago at the time, they were just kind of rifling their way. Like, like if you had syphilis, you still had to keep working. Damn. Um, Damn. A lot of these girls had a short shelf life, like such so many turnover. <laughs> That's a great way to put it, just well, they they were turning like turning over so many tricks that it's hard on a body. It was like a terrible thing. So they would start off younger. A lot of times they get sold off. Like this was an area of like white slavery was a big thing. They would kidnap girls from out of town. Like they would go oh to other cities, offer them jobs, you know, talk them into going to the big city, and when they get there, just stick them in these brothels and shit. And then yeah, they get older. They'd get syphilis, they'd let them go, and next thing you know, they go from a brothel to the corner, or there was places that had, like, 50-cent brothels, like, real trashy places. It was a real shit show. That's real sad. Yeah. Imagine being on the 50-cent block. They recruited girls, the best girls from their Omaha brothels, and then reached back out to these girls that they had met, like, all over the country. So they reached out to the best girls all across America to bring in, and Ada personally interviewed every girl herself. She did a casting couch? The girls had to be beautiful and in good shape. They had to be comfortable in formal evening wear. They had to be able to prove they were 18 years old and exhibited no signs of drug use. Damn. But no health check. Do you have syphilis? Doesn't matter. (laughs) All the girls had to be willing participants, and they would not work with pimps or white slavers. No. Uh, Another thing was at the time, poor families would sell off daughters, too. What? Yeah. This is getting ridiculous. But yeah, so they wouldn't work with girls being sold off, which other places were primarily targeting. They wanted to run a legit legal company. Well, I mean, it sounds like... Dummies. (laughs) Well, going back to the good old narrative, I mean, it makes perfect sense. They were hooked. They see what that life is like, all these abusive shit, so... Tried to do it, run it like a legit business, and treat them right, and not take part in all the ugly side of this shit. So far, these aren't bad gar- girls at all. I'm saying hello to some good folk <laughs> right now. What's up, ladies? Like, for <laughs> real, it seems like they're doing everything on the up and up. They're trying to, like, class it up. They probably don't take no abusive shit in their establishment. Yeah, they don't want no pimps, because seems... they are the pimps. They don't want no scrubs. They're on their shit. They cleaned up. You're not in, in some little danky whorehouse. 
you're gonna be fucking you're gonna be doing it in some classy shit like Next to these gold frames yeah and it seemed like like and they were extra smart about went out to, did a little whorehouse world tour fucking checked out all the best of them like, they did internet research before the internet yeah, went out there yelping these <laughs> So we're gonna keep talking about this brothel, but yes, they they invented Yelp. They were the first Yelpers. <laughs> they called it Moan. <laughs> Once they were hired in, all the girls had to train with Mina. So Mina trained all the workers, and they dubbed them their butterflies. They were given lessons in charm and culture. They were tutored in literature and poetry and conversation arts. Well, because their mom taught them that. <laughs> their mama taught them. The well, no, the, she sent them to that yeah, school, eloquency right? school. Or did they? Said. I don't know. Depends on whose story we're buying. Well, it sounds like they want some classy. Classy, not trashy. They had them in there balancing some books on their head, teach them how to talk. Probably they went towards a higher rank clientele, so sure they didn't they want them did. in there saying some stupid shit. Like, you gotta know how to talk. Like, <laughs> Yo, yeah. daddy, what's up? You ready for some of this? <laughs> You're out. <laughs> one of the other things she trained them, she tried to teach all the girls a business mindset that one $50 client was better than five $10 clients. Absolutely. No, it's a lot more. No, it's actually better because the average going rate at that time, one fifty dollar client is better than ten five dollar clients because the average going rate was five dollars. Yeah, that's a lot worse than yeah. Well, especially when uh, as uh, bad as this album, we just talk about shelf life on these girls. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, that's exactly what Minna tried to teach the girls was that even just from a business sense, it's better for you. She actually had a quote where she said, "Entertaining the guys." is actually harder work than the thing that you're going to lose your status for. Her thing wasn't like, you know what, let's just fire these guys, like high turnover, you know what I mean, get them in and out. Her shit was, we're going to bring in a guy here and there, and that'll kind of be your guy for the night. Pick the, a guy, date him. The em. girlfriend is experienced. So they, they invented, they went from whores to escorts. They hired cordon blue trained chefs, 35 maids, a four-piece band, and they brought in the highest-end security because they wanted less security guards because they didn't want it to be an intimidating experience, but they wanted the girls to be safe. Yeah, they so, don't want a room full of dudes to be bodyguards. They just need, like, that one real good dude that's in the corner that knows what he's doing. Like, they don't want you there with all your <laughs> friends. They just want one, the rock. Yeah. <laughs> that makes perfect sense. So, on uh, February 1st, 1900, they opened a brothel named the Everly Club. The Everlay Club. See, now I'm saying it. Grandma would be so proud. When they opened their club on February 1st, the first thing they did was they spent most of their time, which everybody thought was a ridiculous business model, they spent most of their time sending away everybody. All these guys were trying to get in there like, nope, go away, go away. They'd only let in a couple dudes. Okay, why? They didn't want anyone in the establishment that they didn't consider suitable that met their standards. Did Ada interview all those guys too? Well, it eventually <laughs> became you would have to have like a member would have to recommend you or they would have met you personally somewhere. Like they're real selective over who would they let who they would let in. There was a quote from an author, Karen Abbott. Karen Abbott wrote a book about the Everly sisters. Uh, so she's like kind of the official expert on it. But she had a quote that said, there became a cachet of being able to go there just because they turned on so many people. It became an exclusive badge of honor just to be admitted. Classic, just exclusive thing where you just, once people know like only special people get to get in, then all of a sudden it becomes like the best thing in the world when really, just go to another whorehouse. There are yeah. other ones around. They negged a bunch of dudes into wanting yep. to get into their spot. Like, right. no, you can't home here. Like, ah, oh, dude, I'm going to go get a job and a suit, and you watch. I'm going to come fucking back. I'm going to get into that well, fucking club. Well, if it's that much work, get a girlfriend. So Ada handled the finances as well as the hiring, firing, 
and building renovations and payoffs. At one point, she identified Big Jim Colosimo as an early-on collections man for the payoffs to the local aldermans. Big Jim would eventually run his own brothel and become a powerful racketeer. Eventually, he would bring his nephew, Johnny Torrio, from Brooklyn to help run his growing operation. The aldermen's further first ward area were Michael Kenna, a.k.a. Hinky Dink. Hinky <laughs> Dink. Yeah. So that's the little guy over here. Is oh, hinky yes, dink. it is. <laughs> he looks hinky like a hinky dink. dink. See? Fuck yeah, he's hinky dink. This picture been up here so long, you didn't need any more explanation. The second I said one of these two dudes is named Hinky Dink. Oh, dude, I'm calling someone Hinky Dink this week. See, finally we get into some AKAs. That's a good one. Hinky Dink. So the other alderman was John Coughlin, a.k.a. Bathhouse John. <laughs> All right, yeah, that name kind of fits that guy, too. I mean, he kind of looks like Joseph Stalin. Bathhouse John, that's not a good name to have. He's as big as a bathhouse. (laughs) (laughs) These two were the pillars of the notorious Chicago political corruption that went on into like the 1940s. That kind of started with these two. They called them Dink and Bath. (laughs) Dink and Bath. Dink and Bath. (laughs) Sounds like a horrible like lawyer drama on TNT. (laughs) Wait, so they they started another their own brothel? No, so what these guys, no, these guys were the aldermen. They so were, they were the politicians of the area. They're corrupt politicians. Uh... There's aldermen all over every like little area of the city would have, like that's like the most local politician, and local politics was a lot bigger back then. But they had the area that had the levy in it, so it was the area where they, people consciously said, hey, take all the bad shit there, so it's separate from the rest of the city. They're yeah. like, that's our shit, that's our place, we can't close that. That's where we go. Yeah. <laughs> Well, so under these, well, I mean, one of them just hangs out in the bathhouse. Under these two corruptions, like the whole levee area. To be and, real, I think old Tinky Dink's nickname could be Bathhouse John too. Right. So I'm saying both those names could fit him. Bathhouse John and Bathhouse Dink. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so under their corruption, like is that like Big Colosimo, like he started off, he brings Johnny Torrio into town. We know how that works out. They were just kind of like, whatever, man, give us some money, cool, we're good to go. So these sisters are like. We can do whatever we want. What is Bath and Hink Dink going to come over and tell us So no? see, this is just a shining example of just, it's not so much sometimes what the leaders do, it's what they don't do. They just sort of let people run amok in their area as long as they paid, you can do whatever. And that was just a breeding ground for the mob, for all this negative shit to build up. And that's what created the situation that we had in the 20s and shit. When you turn your back on it and just let it fester, bam. In addition to training new butterflies, Mina was in charge of guest (laughs) hospitality. I forgot all about the meme butterfly. Sugar, baby. So that was her gig. Ada, Ada did the payoffs. She renovated everything. She did the business end. And Mina trained the girls and dealt with the guests. Do you think Ada paid Bathhouse and Dink in cash or sex? No, she for sure paid them in cash. How do you know for sure? Because they paid them over the next however long. They're going to pay them hundreds of thousands of dollars. And neither of them really like dudes very much, it seems like. What? Like, I mean, I don't know either way, but, like, they definitely, were, their thing was, like, look, these, look, fuck these stupid dudes. Like, look, this is what you got to do. You got to learn, read this book, act right, put on a dress, don't fuck ten of these guys, fuck one of them, and you know what I mean? Oh, believe me, honey, I've had enough dicks for a lifetime. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, she for sure, they had money, and they fucking, they built their shit. They, they for sure spent okay. their money, and for sure wasn't interested in fucking hinky See? dink. 
I'm getting a little, I'm building my own narrative in my head because I'm creating this character. I say Nina, the younger one, is just like this young little valley girl, like likable one. Like, let's just start our whorehouse. Let's just start our own. And it was like, how the fuck are we going to do this, Manny? And she's like, I don't know. Let's just see how people run whorehouses and then we'll just do it. And they're like, all right. And then they just checked out all of them. Like, that's cool. We're going to do that. That's cool. Like, so bad all these little girls are hooking that's when we start our own Don't no one it. under 18 okay and he's like okay and like even this like okay i'm gonna teach you all how to be pretty little butterflies <laughs> okay everyone beat we're gonna learn poetry we're gonna hang out ada we need to refurbish and he's like fuck okay i'll pay off the politicians i'll renovate shit whatever I means like okay i'm gonna teach them some piano like this is what's happening we're gonna make it gold like what's going on it is like i'm right on top of that rose it was like we have to pay rent this week mina okay but me and the butterflies we have a show to do we're trying to work on some things have you fixed the mermaid room yet it's like uh uh mina is like uh will ferrell in uh, semi-tropic or the semi-pro (laughs) she's trying to work on the halftime show and shit and woody harrelson's like dude we got to play a basketball game (laughs) that's That's what's going on so that's so before we even Uh, get there the everlay sister should be played by will ferrell and woody harrelson (laughs) i thought you were going before you said semi-pro i was thinking blades of glory one was will ferrell and one was john hatter so mina runs the day-to-day operations anything that involves social social interactions uh, admittance to the Everly Club was fifty dollars to walk in the door. That's like a lot. It's like fifteen hundred dollars. Shit. Yeah. Average meal price was fifty dollars. So you're eating and paying for sex. Yeah. Same place. But also, didn't they get like the cordon blue oh, fucking chefs yeah. and yeah. shit? So they had some high class meal. So it straight up is almost the closest thing that I could think. It was like. When you go to Vegas and you get the high class stuff, like you're going to an expensive like Gordon Ramsay steakhouse or whatever with like a $2,000 yeah. hooker and like you're hanging out with her for the night. Well, another thing I can almost compare it to, uh, we know downtown and we're in Detroit, the DAC, the Detroit Athletic Club mm-hmm. is a building down there. You got to pay to be a member because, yeah, they have all that stuff. They also had a library. and a... It sounds like almost like a Playboy Mansion atmosphere. Like instead of Playboy Bunnies, you had right. Mina's Butterflies. Like, yeah. And so you'd go there and you would just, hey, I bet you a lot of time you're hanging out with other dudes, smoking, drinking whiskey, and it's just like a girl comes in on your lap and you're just hanging out with some hot girl like shooting the shit hanging out going to the library eating a steak dinner Playing and then piano. like all right well let's go upstairs like and then <laughs> you get that and then like you come back downstairs read a book hang out they didn't sell beer or liquor but you could get bottles of champagne or wine for twelve dollars at the bar or fifteen dollars at a room damn yeah. kind of did the math there's like at you walk in you get a meal and you get a wine and you're kind of like four thousand dollars into the night <laughs> take my money (laughs) but like you said at this point it was that exclusive thing so it was nothing but the high rollers want to be there right and well you get turned down you're like i gotta do anything i have to do to get in that club yeah and spend all my money see what's so weird is that they were in like the red light this like it seems like they were people that been to las vegas would get this and that but it seems like they're more in the downtown area instead of being on the strip 
the strip is where all the nice casinos are at and everything then downtown are where the more broke ones are that's where we just see homeless people banging on the sidewalk that's where the detroit casinos at in las well, vegas that was the original like, strip yeah right? that was the original strip because that's where the uh four corners is at that's uh fremont street and everything yeah it's it's weird that there's this high class establishment but seemed like the locale of it was more in where you would just find a normal well it was in the worst area because well because that's where the whorehouses were yeah i'm just saying it's a weird place that i would assume be like one of those places that's in the hood but the parking lot is completely surrounded by eight foot long chain links fence got a security guard out there everyone's cool when you're in there it's all these rich people and as soon as they come outside they're getting out of that neighborhood as quick (laughs) as the fuck as they can one of the other things they did as a business model, because they wanted to keep the best girls once they got up and going, they paid out the girls at a higher rate than anybody else in the city did. Any of the butterflies were paid a minimum of $100 a week at a time when the average weekly payout was $6 to $8. Damn. Wow. So they hosted senators, actors, and business moguls. Now, Mina was quoted in a testimony that said she always entertained state legislators for free in the club. The client list included famous journalists, uh, biographers, poets, and playwrights. There was a bunch of names, but they're guys like, you don't know the names, but they all have a Wikipedia. At one point, I see there was a who's who of the Chicago elite. You know what I mean? So it was, media was different at the time. So like a biographer or a fucking author was like a big, <laughs> open the fuck out of that beer. Oh, get we it. got a squirter. Put your mouth on it. <sighs> Just cracked a new one. For the listeners at home, that's a drinking game. So some of the bigger name clients were heavyweight champ Jack Johnson, which unfortunately is the second time he's appeared on this podcast and both time for a shitty reason. <laughs> First time it was for the man act. You know what I mean? <laughs> and now it's for fucking hanging out at the Everlake Club. Whatever. He was the heavyweight champ, bro. Right. That's what they do. Shit, if you were rich and in Chicago, yeah, he'd probably hang out there. There's no reason why not to. Seems like that's the cool place to hang out. One of the major clients was Marshall Field Jr. Like the store Marshall Fields. Like his, yeah, his kid though. Mm. It's not the Marshall Field. The Marshall Field did like uh, hand tailored suits for El Capone. Nice. Word. And his kid had a bunch of money. This is even pre Capone. He was rich before rich. Dang. Now that's rich. That's you rich. You rich before rich? <laughs> you rich motherfucker. That's like rich BC. <laughs> BC. So their most famous client was uh, Prince Henry of Prussia, who was the brother of Kaiser Wilhelm II king of prussia it's a whole lot of titles right there so he goes on a visit to chicago and like all the politicians and everybody like they have these all these sponsored events like there's like hey this whole big thing he's on their official business to buy like a an american ship or something it's like a big political deal so they're like all right we're gonna do all we're gonna do all this cool shit king of prussia and uh or prince prince of prussia and he just kept was saying he's like i came to chicago i really wanted to go to the everlake club but we got you this big ass boat dude he's like no, I want to go Everly Club. <laughs> no, man, check this out. It's a big-ass boat. Check it out. We're going to ride on the ocean. Prince, we're going to be out here. No, I want to go Everly Club. <laughs> like, there's a lot of these where you can just tell, like, the person in here is just pissed off. Just, God damn it. What did I get this boat for then, dude? Why the fuck did I get this boat? You just want to go to the whorehouse. He's like Prince Harry. Like, he ain't never going to be king. His brother's the king. He's just some fucking dude. But he's got Prince a, Harry. But he's got a royal title, and they're like, well, you got to go here and do this political thing. Well, like, I'm going to the fucking bunny ranch then, motherfucker. How about that? Yeah, so the exact quote, it said, all he really wanted to do was see the world-famous Everlake Club. It's world-famous. Why not? I've seen it on Yelp. It's real popular. <laughs> I, I checked in. it out on the Moan app. <laughs> 
It's got very good reviews. Five star. <laughs> they say mermaid room, superb. <laughs> really make feel like under ocean. They gave him his wish on March 3rd, 1902. The Everlay sisters rolled out the red carpet for him. Mina scheduled a wild event, including dramatic recreations of Greek tragedies and wild dance routines. <laughs> she called back the circus. So <laughs> Come on in. So she just put out a bunch of mini plays and shit? Like that was this. a circus. No. <laughs> no, no, her shit. Well, I mean, they were German, so I guess they did some play. It was like the uh, the destruction of Zeus or something. I don't know. There was a name to it. It was. Uh, well, I mean, this is back in the day before there's like TV, like that was like the, entertainment. Yeah, that was going to see a movie. So at one point, one of the girls' shoes flies off and uh, spills a bottle of champagne. She's Cinderella. So a member of his entourage <laughs> said that a woman's foot shouldn't have to get wet and drink the champagne out of the shoe. If you look up, like, drinking out of the shoe, like, it depends where you're from. So if you're in Australia, doing, like, a shoey is a big thing. And then there's, like, it's like a hockey thing that, like... In frat houses across the country. <laughs> right. That's a thing. So there's a lot of different origin. But there's, like, a version of, like, drinking from a lady slipper that's, like, opulence. I got more... I got money to blow. It's one of the origins of drinking from shoes. There's a couple of them. One of them is his bodyguard drinking champagne out of a shoe at the Everlight Club. And that became That's Rich. When you're drinking champagnes out of Cinderella fucking shoe. shoe, that's fucking ultimate <laughs> like rich. Think somebody in the room when it happened, as the dude's drinking it, somebody goes, now that's rich. <laughs> <laughs> that was an actual quote. Yeah. All right, well, we're going to go ahead. We're going to take a quick smoke break, refill our drinks, and we'll be back in a minute. for listening just real quick want to ask you to subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app go to apple itunes give us a five-star rating and leave us a review and we'll read it on the show if you have any questions comments or a guy that you would recommend we cover you can email us at say hello to the bad guy podcast at gmail.com we also want to thank sixfo sueno for letting us use his music in the intro you can subscribe to him on youtube and also a friend of the show cancer He's got an art, photography, and graphic design page at Eyes Bleed Defiance on Instagram. You can see a lot of his work, including our cover art, which he designed. And he also performed the mid-show song, Blood, 
from his album, Grenades, Pistols, and Rape Whistles. Now back to the show. All right, we're back. Back in the saddle again. Good harmony. Well, how about a tangent with your harmony? Uh, Randy Couture came out to, after retiring, after a former light heavyweight champion, he came out and challenged uh, Tim Sylvia for a heavyweight <laughs> yeah, title fight he and came out to back in the saddle again. Yeah. It was so fucking dope. And, like, then, was... and then he sent me a video email after that. Word. Hey, girl. How you doing? He slid in your DMs? All day, every day. We gonna go to the mermaid room. <laughs> <laughs> He's gonna drink out my shoe. <laughs> sip sip out my uh, slip slip some would say that's the sign of decadence well i mean you look at randy couture's ears you think decadence look like a decadent dude you only need one bodyguard here <laughs> randy couture for a shot we tr- we tried the proper 12 irish whiskey now this is tullamore dew which is kind of like a crown royal it's level. not a realm in a lord of the rings book <laughs> i come from tullamore dew so we'll see what's what's. But what is this Irish whiskey? Yeah, it's Irish whiskey. It's another Irish one. Yeah. I think I prefer the Tullamore Dew to the. Yeah, I, I definitely do. This this one actually ain't bad at all. Son of a bitch! Now I gotta try it. <laughs> it is smooth. They don't have like an afterburn at all. Do you? Well, you're probably a lot more so, a lot, lot more uh, sensitive than it we are. It is way better, but it's still. Still got that burn. So we left off Mina's throwing big badass plays and dance shows for Prussian princes and shit. The prince is coming to town. We have to work with to get this play together. We're going to dance. We're going to sing. And Ada's just like, dude, the prince is coming. You can't fuck this up. We totes have to do a play for the prince. He's coming to town. And he was like, fuck, you know how much security we need for a prince? Who cares? Girls learned Shakespeare. We're putting on a play. <laughs> the good news is the Prince of Prussia fucking loved it. Oh, my God. That party was so lit. lit. <laughs> I'm going to take a selfie with the Prince of Persia. Put this on my Instagram. Oh, shit. They Mina, didn't have Instagram then? Mina was the original fucking Instagram girl. <laughs> OMG. Girl, she totally lost her slipper. Get this, it got filled with champagne, and the prince just drank it. Get out. Oh, girl, it was crazy. Oh, it was so cray. He totally just drank out of the slipper. Oh, my God, it's going to be a new thing. Oh, every Saturday is slipper drink night. (laughs) Ada, make flyers. God damn it. I, I imagine Ada like an old like, cause she is the older sister. Like she's the one like smoking cigarettes nonstop. Like, let me get another pack of smokes. This bitch is stressing me out. The god damn it! You know how much this is gonna cost in slippers now. Glass heels don't grow on trees around here, Mina. I totes don't care, Ada. Stop being such a negative Nancy. We're going to get shoes. We're going to get drinks. It's going to be fabulous. AKA negative Nancy. (laughs) Negative Nancy. So one of their most famous butterflies was an Asian lady that worked mostly in the uh, Asian throne room that went by the name Susie. (laughs) Fucking course. So she just goes with the decor. Right. We're just throwing her in there. It's like a fantasy. Yeah. Well, so if if you did have that fantasy, you could go see Susie Poontang. Chris Rock. Susie Poontang. <laughs> Holy shit. Susie Poontang. <laughs> that was her AKA. 
oh my god you're gonna love it we have a little asian lady her name's Susie poontang <laughs> she hangs out in the entire asian room you're gonna love it so hinky dink was here and let poontang go <laughs> hinky dink and Susie poontang they are they're so cute they're so cute together I just wish we could find a real-life mermaid to throw in the mermaid room. It would be so wonderful. So she became so popular worldwide that they say she's the source of the term poontang. <laughs> oh, so she's the chicken that came she's the. They... So at the she time, it wasn't weird. She poontang. Yeah, so the it wasn't poontang. weird wow. to them. It's only weird now because now we say poontang. That's her. We say that? <laughs> well, I mean... Yeah, I gotta get with it. You know that's so crazy. I've heard Poontang for, and I never guessed like why do they call it Poontang? Susie Poontang, Chicago. Susie Poontang, the Levy, Mina Everly. I I feel like she's like a escort Vince McMahon. You know what? We're going with fucking. That's probably Ada is the Vince McMahon. Like you know what? We're going Susie Poontang. Ah, get an Asian woman. She said it'd be great. She said, (laughs) but you know what? The bitch was right. <laughs> but for real, they really, like, on top of all this stuff, they really have to have an eye for talent. Because, I mean, no matter how famous she is, nobody calls it a Jenna Jameson. You know what I mean? Right. Like, Even Jenna Jameson has a poontang. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, <laughs> Jenna Jameson. So when most people would hide the fact that they frequented brothels and shame, being able to access the Everlay Club became a bragging point that guys would claim that they were going to go get Everlaid. Oh, so clever. it's also the origin of saying you're getting laid. God damn, this from, place is just half it's the starting all the Everlaid. Like, Hell yeah, did Andrew can out of shoes? Like, those medals. This place is the place. Those God medals damn. are from the Everlay Club. Yeah. This is ground zero for all sorts of sexual yeah. innuendos. <laughs> Besides the Everlay Club and Jim Colosimo, most of the madams were running lower-end brothels that could not compete with the Everlay Club, and the success grew to resent the sisters. The most adamant was a former prostitute turned madam named Vic Shaw. But it also seemed like most men couldn't afford to go this place anyway. So, like, even if the Everlay sister weren't there... And you still had, like, a normal whorehouse. Like, the same normal people are coming to your plate. Like, yeah. it doesn't seem like they would even be stealing your clientele well, But much. they're doing ten guys a night. Like, fuck those two bitches. They're doing one over there. Here's why they didn't like them. They weren't stealing their business, but they were stealing their best girls. And then it's kind of like, well, it's like a union effect. Like, all of a sudden, the girls would be like, well, they got a doctor. Are they, You know what I mean? Like, I'm making six bucks. They're making a hundred. Can I get nine? You know? And they're like, this fucking... Everly sisters make all these hookers think that they need more money and shit. Oh, yeah, they're just raising the... Uh, they're, they're raising price. the game. They didn't like that. Like, hey, we're just trying to fire through these chicks and just keep popping them new ones back in. <laughs> it wasn't as much about stealing clientele as much as it was about how they treated the girls. And Big Jim Colosimo seemed to get along with the Everly sisters, except, like, any problems he ever had with them was always, like, money-wise or something like that. Vic Shaw had a network of brothels named the Friendly Friends that the Everlay sisters were not allowed to be a part of. <laughs> You're not in a club. Un- <laughs> the Friendly Friends are unfriendly with them. Not so fucking friendly, are you? <laughs> I mean, for them to double down on that name, not just something friends or friendly something. The Friendly Friends. How are you going to be unfriendly with anyone? 
So, but wait, what is the Friendly Friends? What is this group? It's a network of brothels. So like the like <laughs> most of them. The Friendly Friends. Yeah. So it was like all the the top madams in the area, and they would just get their sh- I don't know. They'd get together and not let the Everly Sisters hang out with them. I don't even care if they don't want to hang out with us, Ada. We have our own cool place. They're so jelly. On November 22nd, 1905, Marshall Field Jr. is found shot in his home from a wound that he eventually ends up dying from a day, a couple days later. He says he shot himself while he was cleaning his gun, and he dropped it, and it shot himself. Vic Shaw reported to police that the shooting occurred at the Everlay Club, and that one of the butterflies had shot him, and that the sisters covered it up. And Hinky Dink had their back. Yep. It was never proven, but it is commonly thought that he was shot by another patron while gambling and that Everly Sisters had him removed, that he didn't want to be found dead in a brothel, that it'd be bad for his family name. So he asked to get taken back to his house and that he would just say it happened at his house or whatever. Oh, well, yeah, I get it. Shortly after that, gambling was banned at the Everly Club. I'm not gambling. People are dying. <laughs> My pretty butterflies aren't <laughs> fluttering. We all love little Marshall, okay? They're not going to ban guns or nothing, just no more gambling. <laughs> no more gambling. Vic Shaw tried to frame the sisters for murder again by stashing the body of a murder victim named Matt Moore in their furnace and reporting it to the police. What the heck? So, so, she, just, so she had help because she didn't move some dead body there by herself. Just dumping dead bodies in there like, hey, uh, I'd like to report a body. That's like worse than stashing but, drugs but, in somebody's uh, like, Vic, car. Vic, how do you know it's in the furnace? Well, I, I don't know. I'm assuming it's yeah, there. I just heard things. <laughs> After it got reported to the police, a disgruntled Vic Shaw employee gave the sisters a heads up about the plan, and mm. nobody was ever found on the premises. Mm, they took care of that shit. <laughs> Bathhouse, we need you. Come get this body. <laughs> Somebody's got to get this body out of the furnace, okay? And Hinky Dink cannot do it. Yeah. In 1910, the Chicago Vice Committee, backed by a conservative culture swing at the time, began to try to elim- eliminate prostitution in the Livy area. The Everly Club was more difficult than most of the brothels because it didn't bring the normal violence and disease that most other brothels did, and they had like an exclusive clientele. So they bought off the right people, the right people were members there. I mean, other places were, like, gross, and everybody's getting sick, and they're killing each other. Yeah. You know what I mean? And uh, Syphilis Central. Hogarth's are shut down. Flight Club, you're good. <laughs> So eventually, well, I mean, really, when you think about all horror, like when you see the, like what you think about like a 1800s or early 1900s whorehouse, yeah, that's uh, probably gross. Like shut that place down. But like this place seems ultra classy. Like, all right, you guys are good. You guys, you guys are cool. <laughs> I guess co- they got so cocky they eventually started even printing out pamphlets with flyers to promote the club. See, I I keep on making the Vegas uh, comparison. This is straight <laughs> Vegas now. Mayor Carter Harrison Jr., who's another, he's like a career Chicago politician, he gets reelected into mayor in April 17, 1911. Now, he'd actually been mayor before and then wasn't for a term and then got reelected as mayor. He took a, you know, took a summer Took a off. sabbatical. <laughs> yeah. He got furious that they not only wouldn't comply, but they were fucking handing out flyers and shit. Where do these whores <laughs> get off? <laughs> Even though they had the highest political connections, he made closing the Everlay Club his top priority. There's always that one. <laughs> well, I always mean, one they get so mad when somebody tells them no. They're just like, how, how dare they not follow the rules? So he went there and got and denied gotta, something and got his feelings mm-hmm. hurt. Yep, that's it. He wasn't allowed to like, be a member. Fuck you, Mina. Like, I'm yeah. cool. I want to. 
That guy's a dork. Have you seen him? He wears a bow tie. <laughs> he is not coming in. That he was mean, a... uh, he's he's going to be the goddamn mayor. Right? He's going to shut us down if you don't let... I don't care. He's gross. He was the first one denied. He's like, fuck this place. Ew, you're not getting in here. Ew, 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 Let him in, Mina. We're going to have problems <laughs> if you don't. I don't care. <laughs> He's, I don't like him. I don't like him. He brings he brings the whole vibe down in here, okay? <laughs> Even though at this point they committed hundreds of thousands of dollars to paying off Hink and Bath, they're uh, now under substantial scrutiny. The sisters had no interest in relocating or going underground. And on October 24th, 1911, when the mayor ordered the club closed, uh, Meaner Evele was quoted as saying, if the mayor says we must close, that settles it. I'll close up shop and walk out with a smile on my face. She's lying. She's going to kill that guy. <laughs> this is where she turns into the bad guy. The sisters cashed out with over a million dollars and shuttered the club. They first retired to West Chicago, but they were consistently harassed by the local Christians and females. And then they packed up and took a month-long trip to Europe. Like a million dollars their time? or Yeah. Yes, a million, a couple million their time. So it equals out to more? Yeah, about $40 million. That makes more sense. They're like, like the Jeff Bezos of pussy. They're the Amazon owners of whores back in the day. They're just millionaires. Uh, after a month-long trip to Europe, they settled in Central Park West under the names Ada and Mina Lester. Oh, they're back to Lester. Oh, they went back to their old names. After the Everlay Club, the Levy area was constantly subjected to raids and protests. Smart operators like Jim Colosimo moved to smaller rural communities and then moved into different rackets. The rest went under. By 1912, the levee area was completely gone, and by 1933, most of the buildings were torn down and rezoned. Are you saying the levee was dry? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I knew it. It was bound to... You can't have a levee without it drying up, man. It's going to always happen. We drove all the way to the levee, and it was dry. <laughs> My, my, they slang poutine pie. <laughs> Most researchers and criminal historians consider the Levy area the birthplace of Chicago land organized crime as we know it. Oh. But what, uh, you said they took off, they moved out or whatever, and then protests continued. The protests were just because they were trying to clean up that part of the city and people didn't want it cleaned up, and it was just a clash of that well, okay. sort of nature. Well, so this is 1911, right? You're going to figure nine years from now, they're going to shut down drinking, too. So there was it was like the temperance movement. They were just trying to clean it all up. Yeah. Well, this is Chicago. We started this story off in the 1860s. This is Chicago! <laughs> well, at one point, this was kind of the Wild West, you know? But now it's America again, and it's urbanized, so now people are trying to clean it back up. So See? there was a lot of temperance movements where... Like I said, that's how we got Prohibition, just as we moved our way out there. So, clean it up. So, like, the Hink and Bath setup that they had did from the 1890s to whenever, it was because it was just a regular town, and they're like, look, people's going to drink and smoke and, and want hookers and gambling, so we just put it all in this one area, and it was cool. But now you're getting to a point where they're like, well, now we just want to shut down that area. That's the terrible area. You made the comparison to the West, because that's also what I was thinking. But this, like... Yeah, they had that district. The whole point was, all right, you want to do that shit, you go to this side of town. Then all of a sudden they're like, okay, you can't do it even in this side of town. Like, so where do they go? Well, the people people that suck at business shut down, or the Everlay sisters retire, and then Big John Colosimo 
He asked his little fucking nephew, Johnny Torrio, like, what do we do? He's like, ah, I don't know. Let's bring in my buddy Al Capone and we'll figure this out. You know, we'll get it. We'll, we'll work around it. It'll be cool. It was survival of the fittest. They all grew in a pocket. You just leave that pocket, though. People will usually keep their crime there. So. It's the whole bee's nest theory. Like, let them stay in their bat in the nest. Don't rattle it up. Otherwise, you get them going all over the fucking well, place. But like, then there's Mayor ugh. Karen and she can't. <laughs> Mayor <laughs> Karen. We're going to shut this shit down. They're going to hand out flyers? Okay. They're having sex in the park. Uh, Mina Everlay had a quote where she said that she made a million dollars off married men. If it wasn't for married women, she could have made a million more. Ooh. <laughs> She's clever. A.K.A. divorcee. Mina Everlay died in New York City on September 16th, 1948. And Ada didn't know what to do. Uh, she sold all their stuff and she moved back to Virginia. Uh, including <laughs> she, she, did really did. she went back to default she's like okay where, where was from? i before mina <laughs> where was i before i mina? guess i was just in virginia <laughs> let me go back just... to there so i wonder what happened to the building with all the fancy stuff the gold piano and they the... sold it all didn't you they say? sold it after mina died ada sold their gold piano oh there it goes <laughs> Still... That fits with the perception we had of him the whole time. Like, even when... Right. Because, so, so Mina died in 1948. She was born in 66. You know what I mean? So she's like a 70-year-old lady. And she couldn't... Ada couldn't sell this gold piano until after her little sister died. Been lugging this motherfucker across to Europe. Europe. Can we... <laughs> yeah. Do we know who owns piano. it now? Where is it at? What? The, uh... The piano. I don't know. Could we... have no clue. It's buried with Liberace. We'll be right back after this short break where Locke finds out where the piano's at. I know Liberace the, uh, took it on tour. Where the Everlay Club used to be is now a housing project. Say what? They got but mahogany it's, No, it's not around. the same building. The, <laughs> yeah. the building got... One of the pictures we showed, it got, it was getting torn down. So it was, they tore it down in like 33 and then they rezoned it. Like when they got rid of the levee area, they really got rid of it. But it's stupid. So they did that in 33. But 33, that wasn't even the problem no more. Tony Accardo's is by now he's putting fucking slot machines everywhere, every gas station in Chicago. You're tearing down the Everly. Yeah, you're tearing down the Everly Club in 33. Yeah. <laughs> Good job. You guys are all over this. <laughs> uh, like you said, Mayor Karen. In the meantime, these motherfuckers are just running roughshod all over and they're like, fucking Mina. We're never getting the smell out of here. Let's just tear it down. Tear it down. Ada moved to Virginia where she lived until January 5th, 1960. And then she died? Yeah. Damn. Right. She lived like 20 years later than her little sister. So that's the story of Ada and Mina Everlay. So say goodnight to the bad guy. Go on. The last time you're going to see a bad guy like this again, let me tell you. That's it. I mean, they're dead. How much more do you want? They started everything. They're dead. The levee's gone. They are the pioneers of Poontang. But they didn't kill anyone, right? I don't know. I love these bitches. <laughs> so if he's going to cover someone else from the story of Ada and Mena Everly, who do you think we'd cover? I mean, I don't I don't know. I would say... Uh... Dinky dink. Yeah. I mean, in real time, they were the corrupt people in Chicago. They probably had their hands in a lot of pot. You said they brought in a Torio? Uh, well, or... Big Big Jim did. Yeah, Big Jim Coliseum. Oh, yeah, yeah, Big Jim. Him. Yeah. yeah, see, that was that's a good guy. I'd like to hear about or him. Or we could that see about this part. Prince guy, see if he was married was when he went. Where's the boat? But that's a different style. That's almost like a history style, one more than a... 
Well, that I, guy won. He could be I, a bad I just, guy. He probably is. He got a lot of medals. Can. He's the Prince of Prussia. Yeah, he probably. We know that story. It's Prince Harry. You can't never be king, <laughs> but you're still a fucking royal dude. Like, I want to go to the Everly Club. Well, it's real expensive. Grandma All right. He's Tyrion Lannister. All right. That's who he is. Yep. He is the god of tits and wine. He's like, I'm glad there was no internet in my day. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> All right, so you guys haven't seen a picture of them yet, so if you have any idea, if we're going to cast a movie based on the story of the Everlay sisters, you guys have any idea who you'd want to play the two sisters? Oh, man. Not the Olsen twins. Give me a second, because I'm going to think I'm going to say Miley Cyrus and her younger sister. Doesn't Britney Spears' younger sister act, too? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's That's a younger sister. I was thinking of them, but... Well, see, I keep on thinking comedic actors. Like, I'm thinking, like... Kristen Wiig and Rebel Wilson or something. What? What about this? Like, we've seen it a million times, but instead of doing it as, like, a, a gangster movie, <laughs> Tina Fey and Amy Poehler, just yeah. like in all their movies, they're Mina and Ada. See, that's what I keep on thinking of is, like, a team-up like that. But I don't know what age to go with. I don't know whether to go, like, older woman sort of thing, man. Well, or they like get kicked out of the younger. carnival. They were younger. Yeah, but in a movie, you have to make it go for the, their, all of their career. Like, I see them as full of, like older like, women when they were running shit in the well, Chicago uh, Yeah, they were area. adults by then. Oh, it's yeah. Thelma and Louise all day. Yeah, so, like, I'm just thinking about older comedic. I can see, like... You can't see ooh, it. Ooh, I'm going to throw a crazy one at you, but I'm fucking love it. Jennifer Aniston and Sandra Bullock. How have they not been in a movie together? That is kind of crazy. Those are two of America's sweethearts. Miley Cyrus, though, is a whorehouse actor. A <laughs> whorehouse actor? So here's a picture of Ada and Mina Everly. So excited. Man, they look a lot like the Prince <gasps> What? So this is Ada on the left. Oh, I should have made you guys guess. No, they kind of look like <laughs> twins. For sure, it looks like the same chick. I know who it looks just like with a different wig. Who? Carrie Underwood. Look at that nose. I kind of see it on the one on the right. Except they look the same. So but uh, see it, on both. it doesn't look exactly like them or whatever. But I was just saying, what about Rachel Weiss and Emma Blunt? Who's Rachel Weiss? Rachel Weiss. She was in uh, The Mummy. She's in The Fountain. She's okay. in The Favorite. She's in a bunch of shit. If she's, I guarantee, if you look it up, you look all her. You know. No, I'm going. And then Emma Blunt. You know who Emma yeah. Blunt is? Yeah. From A Quiet Place and all that. Those two. I'm going with Miley Cyrus and Carrie Underwood. That'd be fun. So here's the other picture we got of the Everlay sisters. It's not real pictures. Time. These are pictures that they had commissioned when they were in Omaha. I know those collars be popping. That's real. Okay, those Come are. On. Get your money back. Especially <laughs> that one on the right. What is she? A weird caricature they of a ghost? They started the cankle. They got that drawn in the carnival. <laughs> that's why they got kicked out. So that's it. That's the Everlay sisters. I like them. So now we got to do the DEFCON scale. Standard DEFCON scale is 5 to 1, 5 being the lowest, 1 being the highest. On the Bad Guy podcast, nobody's a good guy. They're all criminals. So 5 is Lee Murray, who's like a crack dealing, kidnapping, bank robber. At 1, you have the Purple Gang, who's got multiple massacres, multiple gang wars, and they're killing people on the street. On a scale of Lee Murray to the Purple Gang, where do you put Ada and Mina Everlay? They're a 6. <laughs> They're not a, even on the scale. They're five. They're not even bad guys. They're, they were so kind and nice and very well-spoken. <laughs> they were great gals. What do you Smart. Think? 
there is coming up some like some ladies in the puss game living in the fast lane. <laughs> ah, for real. No, they uh, they're like a seven, eight, nine. Like they just there's nothing seven, bad eight, about nine? them at all. They just, I mean, the only thing is that they ran a whorehouse, which technically Whatever. illegal and all that. But like, yeah, that's Not the really. oldest game in the book. If we allude to it before, like you push them into this area where if they were out west. Or just earlier, they were at the expo saying that shit. That shit was legal. Um, From like June to November, it was legal. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah I now. mean, they didn't. Yeah, they just happened to get into that business. And they ran it good. It they were like they so good at it, and then people called them bad. They were so good at it. <laughs> and then they called them bad. Like, no. I mean, this is another example of one that, it's a five. They weren't necessarily bad guys. But it's also a great story. A lot of that shit, like the original thing of Poontang, of getting laid, of Woo. just, uh, and like they invented the Playboy Mansion, only yeah. it wasn't ran by a creepy old guy in a robe. It was ran by two kick-ass sisters. <laughs> and they got a song made after them. My and I, this American pie. It's about poontang pie. But uh, <laughs> especially when you look at them, they came from like, I mean, we said from the beginning, Virginia, they were rich before the war. The war happened. They were young, poor girls that in some cases, assumptions, they were whored out and shit yeah. and became hookers and then decided, you know what? This isn't the right business. But if women have to whore themselves out, we're going to make a better bit, a better place for them. It seems like some of the other madams that were in that situation went the opposite direction and just did, oh, that's how I did it. You'll learn. They were like, no, we're going to do, we're going to do a better setup. I for sure think they're a DEFCON 5. Now, look, they're on the scale because they're criminals. The cr- this podcast is about criminals and they ran a brothel. That's crime. They qualify. But at the end of the day... They even at least took care of the girls that they had and shit. Yeah. You know, they they don't have any blood on their hands. They were so nice at yeah. all. Well, except I that mean, one guy in the furnace. No, that wasn't them. That was the like madam. So, yeah. But they got rid of them. Yeah, but I'm just saying, like, they never killed anybody or nothing. Like, they did nothing. Well, see, and that's what I'm saying. Yeah, they're dabbling in the crime area of life. It's what they do. But even you see when it when it got to be real crime, Big Jim Colosimo calls in Johnny Torrio and starts a fucking gang. And they were like, ah, we're done. Like, they bought, they bowed out before. And you notice when they bowed out, the whole levy just dried up after that. Like, all right, fuck this whole thing. <laughs> I love how the levy dried up. Is just <laughs> but also, I mean, to that point, they had gambling. The second someone got shot, they're like, all right, shut it down. No more gambling. See, like, and you know they had to have made some money off that gambling, too. Like They're trying to think of how they're getting rated on this podcast. They're like. Nope, no more gambling. We can't be nothing but Ada, a five. Ada, I swear to God, Ada, if we're above a DEFCON 5, I'm going to lose my shit. Man, I don't know why you're even worried about it. We're fine. We got rid of the body in the furnace. They don't even know about it. We're definitely a DEFCON 5. You're going to hear Dave Chappelle. All right? That's the Ada promise. They do the DEFCON scale. Dave Chappelle's going to say DEFCON 5. That's right. It's going to the streets. Hey, y'all, it's revolution up in this bitch. Set the alarm. Defcon 5. I fucking told you. <laughs> we're going to do some quick uh, listener feedback. So first of uh, all, we got a five-star review. So you oh, go to Apple yeah. iTunes, uh, leave us a five-star rating, leave a review, we'll read it on the air. Or you can email us at say hello to the bad guy podcast at gmail.com. 
but it better be a five. If it's anything, if it's a four star, you're not getting red. Yeah, just go, just take that shit somewhere else. If it's less than a five star, we become illiterate immediately. <laughs> we got a five star review from Birdman Tweet One. Oh, Michael Keaton? <laughs> it's got to be him. Clearly, it's him. It's Twitter man. He's the Birdman. Twitter. It says, uh, hilarious and informative. A great podcast to listen to when you want to learn about gangsters and feel like you're laughing with old friends. My favorite part of each episode is the drink roundup. I always want to grab a drink myself while I listen and literally laugh out loud. They're super informative, but keep everything entertaining and hilarious. Keep it up, guys. We will. <laughs> nice. No, we'll say Thanks, that's what Bird we're going People want to get drunk and listen to this. That's why I want to start the, uh, <laughs> the drinking game. Drinking game. What does Birdman like to drink, though? The juice out of hummingbird feeders. What's his favorite? We could try it. Well, I mean, it's probably it's probably Little Wayne's dad, right? That's Birdman. Probably. Yeah. So, I mean, go listen to his, <laughs> go listen to his music and figure it out and show. Put some respect on my name. Is you finished or is you done? <laughs> no, but that's a good hint. That uh, not hint. That's a good uh, little thing. I don't know why I said hint. Uh, that you pointed out, like, yeah, if you guys got suggestions on drinks, I'm down to try different drinks. Not only, like, the whiskeys and those hard drinks, like, some beers and yeah. shit, if you guys know a lot of beer. Because, like, I've said numerous times on there, like, I'm not a big craft guy. I just sort of got into it. But there's a lot of beers I don't know shit about. Well, there's that a I'd lot like that out. are local to other places that you've never even heard of. Right. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So if you got suggestions that... I mean, if you know whiskeys and all that sort of stuff, or not even whiskeys, but rums, I mean, we can expand what we, we're drinkers. If if it's got some alcohol, we'll try it. But, uh, you know, just a lot of different shit, not necessarily liquor, but beers and other drinks. I know Lorraine likes the different seltzer sort of drinks and shit. Yeah. I'm going to try drinking out of a slipper next time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that should have been the theme drink. You guys show we up, should've... there's little slippers on everybody's... uh. <laughs> Everybody's mic. You would have had the boot. Yeah. That's what I was gonna say. Do it. The, we'll do it more of the German style with the boot. Well, I mean, he was the Prince of Prussia. So. I'm gonna get a galosh. <laughs> so we also we we got a comment from a listener, but it's about the Eve Trudeau episode. Like we all kind of know the mob stuff a little bit, but like most of the biker shit, I just kind of I know only know what I read. Somebody that knows the biker stuff a little bit more said, uh. First comment, yes, it's called Riding Bitch. Second comment, stealing a bike of a rival club is damn near as bad as stealing the rag. Ooh. Well, all right, stealing their rag, I, I assume that means, like, crip and bloodshed, like stealing like their... their colors. Their colors. So the rag would be fucking... See? So this is why research checks out, because... <laughs> yeah, say. So you, you give me feedback that is still... Like, well, fuck, now i got to research the feedback. Yeah. <laughs> like, what's, I told you, I already told you I don't know biker shit. So you're like, hey, well, here's some more biker shit to look up. But yeah, the rag is their colors. So that yeah. would have to be pretty tough because, I mean, in order to steal someone's rag, we probably have to beat that dude up and yeah. steal it off their fucking back, like right? they're wearing it on their vests. That's what's so weird when the guy says, like, yeah, that would be as bad as... Like, I would say it the other way. Like, yeah, stealing someone's rag is as bad as stealing their bike. Like, I would... Like, yeah, stealing a rival guy's bike's bad. You know, steal people's bikes. Well, I think the difference is... I think the bike is more... Or the stealing their rag would be more symbolic. 
Like the bike is obviously yeah. it's more financial and it's more well, functional and, it's and symbolic so. too. I would think that's what was it? Um, like, it's what makes you a biker. <laughs> yeah, without that, that what are you? You're just a dude in leather chaps. But your colors is on. It's on you. You have to physically take that from. Yeah, that's like flag football. Yeah, <laughs> like you're down. What's that movie where they come out of a bar and they kick over the whole line of bikes like dominoes? That's been in a bunch of movies. Oh. That's a new I think that's like a trope. That's a yeah, that's a classic trope. Well that's bad. Yeah. <laughs> that's don't do that. Bad. Bikers don't, don't like that. Do that. Which movie uh, which biker movie didn't they do that? It wasn't even a biker movie <laughs> yeah. though. Which movie featuring bikes where they the quintessential they go into a bar not knowing it is a biker bar and that happens to be a biker bar and they're like but, Oh no, this is in our area and they get out of there and accidentally bump um, into a bike and then knock it all down. I'm, did they I, do it in a Bronx tale? Oh no, yes, they just, yes. Nah, but he kicked him over, and she, yeah, they were. Yeah. Yeah, he, she did say. I kick said him. kick him over, like but they yeah, also the Bronx beat them up with yeah. bats and shit. That was a whole biker. They beat taught down. that biker gang a lesson. They oh, did. Yeah. Lessons were learned. But, but they're not getting no, their bikes over leave. was a big part of that lesson. Right. Well, yeah, they didn't yeah. sleep on that. Like they did whoop their ass, but also here's your and here's your bikes. Fuck your bikes. Yeah. Let's go to point number one. What was the question in that? I assume me riding bitch means well, riding behind. There was no behind. question. Yeah, well, right? well, okay, so when we were doing the podcast, one of the pictures on the Eve Trudeau podcast of two guys riding on a bike, and there's a dude on the back of a bike, and I don't really know, but I said I thought. I cheers the mic. <laughs> but I said, I think in the biker world they call that riding bitch. And I don't know for sure, but I mean, I feel like that's a thing, and right? And then listeners said, that's, yeah. yes. Yeah, biker well, says. Said, biker it, says yes. That's riding bitch. I <laughs> didn't even know that was a that was a. I thought that was just universal. Yeah, it's riding bitch. Well, yeah, but I say that, oh. but I don't know. I mean, I don't. I have never rode a bike, so he's what if no I'm just, historian. Yeah. yeah, what if yeah, I? He's no historian. <laughs> well, see, this is only one source. We need multiple sources. We need yeah. multiple. Is so he can, in fact riding bitch. So he can we bullshit need, with these. Yeah. We yeah. need these one guys. more biker to say. <laughs> Yup, that's riding bitch. <laughs> We're making facts here, one at a time. Well, I don't know. We're pretty loose with it. We quoted a source. One was me, one was DC. So <laughs> we called that two sources. So, I mean, I don't know if you want to listen to our show. Hey, checks out. Yeah. You can't say we're loose when we did a brothel episode. <laughs> yeah. We keep it tight. Yeah, yeah tight. That's yeah. how you lose clients. Right. Yeah. This ain't no 50 cent brothel. Yeah. This is a fucking, this is an Ada and Mina fucking That bitch joint. that threw the body in the furnace. Yeah. That bitch kept it loose. We're one to All 10 right. over here. Right. All right. <laughs> this is say hello to the bad guy. Bye-bye. Thank... <laughs> thanks for coming and thanks for listening. <laughs> Say hello to the bad guy. Bad guy. The good guy coming last place. Last place. Smell that dope when I pass by. Pass by. I let my money at a fast pace. Say hello to the bad guy. Bad guy. The good guy coming last place. Smell the dope when I pass by. Down bad, my mama had to be dead Spent my birthdays in the trap, we had to work with what we had She been working on a raise while trying to raise me like a man Plus my daddy in the box and all my cousins in the cam And I don't need a hundred friends, I just want a hundred bands A hundred jugs, a hundred scams, ay, ay. So out of money, grab the hundred hams. Ay.
said, I got money, grabbed a bunch of And bitch. I ain't wanna fall victim to that system or the pistols. Fuck a judge with a grudge, I'm blowing crud for my mental life. Ay, and I still keep it on me, run into your big homie, first you meet your dead homie, ay, yeah. Say hello to the bad guy, bad guy. the good guy coming last place. You smell that dope when I pass by, pass by. I like my money at a fast pass. Say hello to the bad guy, bad guy. Fast lane, let my money at a fast pace, look like a drag race. Control re up in my ashtray, I'm in my bag. Hey, good girl, bad face, no waste, and her ass fake. Hey, and she in love with the bad guy. Hey, but bad bitches never act right. Hey, she act up into that bag fly. I did a turn around at one night. Hey, say hello to the bad guy. Hey, Good guy coming last place. Smell the dope when I pass by. I let my money at a fast pace. Say hello to the bad guy. Good guy coming last place. Smell the dope when I pass by.